We have now added a new and revolutionary increase in destruction. Des and Troy. You see, when you put them together, they destroy. We got company. Hang on. Yo, it is week one. Football is finally here. We are here to talk some DFS, specifically on DraftKings, break it down in that main slate. And uh, specifically, just like really looking at cash games is the big thing that we're going to be doing here. Um, I would probably say that, um, you know, this is an interesting week because the uh, pricing has been out for weeks. And there's been a lot of things that have happened over the course of the weeks, a lot of unfortunate injuries. I know, Lou, every year it seems like there's more injuries than uh, the years prior, but it, I, I feel like it's always pretty consistent. But again, I'm Tyler. I'll be your, your co-host here. You can find me on Twitter at FFTylerO. Uh, joined, as always, by my co-host, uh, Lou, at Lou Dog Sports. Lou, man, how are you doing today? Doing good. I'm, I'm excited. Uh, we finally have a week of NFL. It's been a long it's at almost eight months, basically now, um, since we've had regular season NFL at least. So, uh, you know, excited. We actually had a preseason this year. We have rookies that have seen some sort of action before playing. We're getting a lot more fans in the stands this year. There's going to be a lot of narrative on that. So, uh, yeah, definitely excited to get back at it. All right, let's jump right in things, man. As always, let's start with the quarterback position. Uh, definitely doesn't seem to be one of the weeks when I'm going to be paying down at quarterback. Some of the more popular plays, at least in my opinion, uh, guys that I would expect to have a bit more ownership this week are going to be Josh Allen and Jalen Hurts. Talk to me about those two real quick and your thoughts on them. Yeah, I think Hurts is likely to be a, a common play for people mainly because of his price. And as we know, he has a pretty reasonable floor because of his, his rushing ability. And, you know, in this game, I expect there to be, it's it's not the highest scoring total on the entire week, but I think it's one of the games that has the highest upside. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, it's a 48 and a half total, which, you know, beforehand I was expecting this game to be over 50 total. So, um, on the betting side, it was one that I looked at for betting the over. But I think Eagles Falcons in the last few years have had have been teams that we like to attack um, as their defenses do give up a lot of points, especially through the air, especially through the air, especially through the air. And they're going to be indoors for this game. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think this is a game I'm I'm looking to target in general. So I think Hertz is the type of guy who I'm um, looking at heavily this week. And then, like you said, uh, Josh Allen is another who, for a little little more money, but um, he's got an amazing floor. He averaged over 25 fantasy points a game last season, and uh, he has the upside because of his, his rushing around the, um, the end zone as well to have 30 – 40 point games. And so for 7,400, I think he's at a pretty good price. 
Yeah, and especially the Bills is that, you know, you look at a team that's almost touchdown favorite in the Bills and there'd be some concern that they would run the ball. But we know one thing about the Bills is they're going to pass the ball literally no matter what. So it's pretty safe. You look at the neutral game script like they're throwing the ball. They just are a team that loves to pass the ball. So Josh Allen seems pretty safe regardless, you know, of the spread um, or, you know, being the favorite there. So Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, easily two of the more popular plays on the week. Before I start talking to you about some of your favorite guys, um, is there another question? quarterback that you want to touch on that you think is going to be a higher owned quarterback higher roster quarterback um that you might have some interest in or you think just the the general public is going to want to play yeah i actually think more people are going to play kyler this week than josh allen uh he's he's only 200 more than allen and there's this narrative going around about the first 10 weeks of of last season and how um kyler had this crazy stretch of um, I think the stat is the most fancy points in the first 10 games of um, any player ever when it comes to uh, drafting points. It's killing it. Um, it. Yeah. A lot of that has to do with, he had a few uh, 40 point games in there, but the second game weeks five through 10 last year, he had um, at least 30 points in each of those matchups. So that, that was a big part of it. Um, He was, running in a lot of touchdowns during that stretch. So that's where that came about. But we know he's the type of guy that can uh, run in for scores. And this game actually is the highest total on the week. So um, a lot of people are going to be targeting it. And when you're targeting the the high scoring games, a lot of times uh, you're going to have the passing attack. So I think Kyler is going to be one of the higher owned for tournaments. And I think because of his high upside and relatively good floor, um, we'll see him in a decent amount of cash lineups as well. Yeah. And I just want to talk about that game real quick, because I have a feeling that that game is going to come up uh, later as we get down to these positions is, um, you know, the high total love to see it. But I think a big piece that I'm looking at is you look at the, the Cardinals defense, um, it's not good, especially it's past. Like I was looking at some of these starting corners on the Cardinals team, and I legitimately had no idea who they are. Like it is, it is a bad situation in the Cardinals secondary right now. And then you look at the Titans, and it's honestly not that much better. It, it, it sets up really well um, for the passing attacks to thrive. And then you look at the passing attacks, and it's also like the passing attacks are going to thrive. Sorry, but then you also look at like the pace of play. Like Arizona is is a fast team. There's a lot of pace. There's a lot of volume going around. And although the Titans were uh, you know, pretty quick last last year. They did lose Arthur Smith. We're not really exactly sure what that offense is going to look like. But still, we know they're at the very least going to be very efficient and, in my opinion, are playing the weaker secondary. So there are a lot of points to be had in this Titans and Arizona Cardinals game. There's it's gonna there's going to be somebody in my lineup in either the Titans or the Cardinals side. I can almost guarantee you that. So yeah. with that said, um, you know, Kyler is absolutely a play that, you know, we're going to be looking at. So we've talked about some of the more popular plays. Um, you know, Lou, is there another quarterback that we have not mentioned that you are interested in playing or should we just get right down to it to the quarterback or to the two quarterbacks that you're absolutely looking to get in those lineups? Yeah, I think the other side of that game, Tannehill, is is interesting just because if many people will go for Kyler, then um, you just switch the quarterback and, you know, maybe Tannehill throws for three touchdowns and Kyler only throws for two and, and there's your leverage. But um, I also think Matt Ryan at 6K is a pretty decent play. Um, the downside of Matt Ryan is he doesn't run the ball, mm-hmm. but uh, the likelihood of him throwing at least 
35 times in this game. There was only all one right. game all last year that he had less than 35 attempts and he hit 32 in that game. Um, but that was just a bad game in general. He threw three picks against the chargers in that game. So um, his, his downside risk isn't as bad as it, as it might sound because he's going to throw the ball a ton against an Eagles defense that all last year we were playing people against um, the Eagles, especially wide receivers. So um, I think Matt Ryan has a lot of good options to throw to, which we'll talk to talk about later. And um, I think with his price, uh, it's a pretty reasonable price to pay for someone who every week Matt Ryan has the ability to throw for that 300 yard bonus and two to three touchdowns. So um, Matt Ryan at home, generally where I like to play him anyway. So I think Matt Ryan is uh, the cheap guy I'd be interested in. Yeah. And and to just kind of hammer that home a little bit further, it's like the Eagles, we know that they're a bit of a pass funnel. The the run defense is still pretty good. Uh, And then you look at the other side of it and it's like, I don't really believe in the Falcons run game. Like say what you want about Mike Davis. I don't think he's that talented. Like, yes, he's probably going to get some decent volume, but there's really nothing to get excited about in the Falcons run game. They're probably not going to be a lot of game scripts this year where they can be running the ball anyways. So Matt Ryan's going to be, uh, you know, I'm not going to say he's going to lead the league in attempts, but he's absolutely going to be up there. Um, so let's let's pivot over here and talk about these quarterbacks real quick. Like, who, who are your guys that you're most excited about? Who are the the quarterbacks? Give me two that you're likely going to be putting into those cash lineups. I'm only really looking at Hertz and Kyler right now as far as cash. Um, but, I mean, I think – Tannehill is very interesting to me uh, because a lot of people are going to be choosing Kyler in that game. And, you know, if, if one of the teams get ahead and the other one's coming from behind, they're going to be passing it. So um, Tannehill is kind of interesting to me. And then I think one guy who's going to be less owned, who I think could have a good game is, is someone like Russ Wilson, who, I mean, he's seven K and he's in that, that range where I don't think many people are going to play him. Mm -hmm. Um, But I mean, we know with him, he, he only needs like 25 attempts to throw for four or five touchdowns. So um, he definitely has the upside to, you know, break the slate, so to speak. Um, And I don't know, do you, do you believe in the Colts defense this year? I think um, they're kind of, yeah, like the last few Eh, years, eh, people have been hyped about them. Um, But it seems like, they haven't really they're not really a lockdown defense and we know that Russell Wilson is good enough that um he could easily break through and i i've been reading a lot this week about how with their zone their zone scheme is almost better for uh Russell Wilson and, and Tyler Lockett so um i wouldn't be surprised if this is one of those games where a uh Wilson Lockett stack ends up winning some tournaments yeah, I mean, the conversation all offseason has been like, is Russ going to cook? They brought in the new offensive coordinator. We saw what happened last year when Russ was certainly cooking. Things were awesome, and then when he wasn't cooking, things were bad. But you'd like to think that they looked at the success that they had, and they let Russ air it out, and they kind of veer away from that uh run heavy focus but i kind of want to see it for a week uh especially my cash lineups but i definitely like russ so your, your two quarterbacks in week one are either going to be kyler or jalen hurts correct yeah 
All right, let's pivot over to the running backs, man. Um, you know, th- there's a lot of opportunity to save some cash at wide receiver this week. We'll get into that. Don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves. So with that said, though, it does open ourselves up to playing some of these top dogs, these uh, higher priced players on DraftKings at the running back position. Um, you know, I-, I just real quick, talk to me, you know, talk me through the- these top four that are sitting there in Elvin Kamar, Christian McCaffrey, Delvin Cook and Derrick Henry and your thoughts on them and who you're most excited about and who you're going to be fading yeah i'm i mentioned this to you uh before we hopped on but um i think you basically have to come out of this week with uh two of these options at um running back that are above the 8500 price range um and, and the main reason behind that is because of how easy it is to do that um, there's a lot of cheap wide receivers and, um, even tight end plays that, that we'll get to. But, um, I think in my personal lineup, I'm going to focus on getting Alvin Kamara and Christian McCaffrey in, um, basically because of just their roles on the teams. And with Michael Thomas out, we've seen how Alvin Kamara can play and, you know, I'd hate for an 8,600 Alvin Kamara to come out of this game with eight plus catches. And then all of a sudden, like I didn't play him. Um, and then, I mean, we've seen it with McCaffrey. Like, he's the type of player who when healthy 9,500, he still makes value. Um, and he only had three games that he played last year and the floor of those games was 25 fantasy points. So in, in my mind, if you put McCaffrey and Kamara in a lineup, you're, like locking in 50 points right there mm-hmm. and you have the upside of 60, 70 points. So um, these are two guys who are very likely to get 20 plus touches. Um, and then I think Dalvin cook, like you, you could easily add Dalvin cook into your lineup and still be okay. Uh, but the problem I have with Dalvin cook is he, he doesn't have as much work in the passing game and DraftKings is full co- point PPR. So, um, I I mean, in my opinion, like unless Dalvin cook gets a hundred yards, the other two are probably going to outscore him. Um, so that's why they're they're my focus. But, um, at at the same time, like there's not many better matchups to get a hundred yards than against the Bengals. So if this is a week that he would do it, um, it's definitely possible. So I've been playing around with jamming those three into lineups. Um, And then going back to what we were talking about with the quarterbacks, I think the fact that people are going to want to play Kyler, they're going to want to play um, the passing attacks on, on both of those sides. That's where I think uh, Derek Henry, not necessarily a cash play because there's a high risk to play him 8,800 in a game that could be very pass focused. But at the end of the day, like there's a very good chance that the Titans get out to say a 14 nothing lead in this game, and then it's just Derrick Henry show. And we've also seen him just break off 70, 80 yard uh, touchdowns whenever Absolutely. he wants. It's so. tough, man. Henry's a tough one because I, I feel like it's fading him never really works out the way he wanted to because he just takes that one play. But yeah. we've also seen games when you know he, he goes like. You know, seven, 60, 70 yards and he can kill you because he does not have that pass floor. So I think I'm with you. And it sounds like, you know, if we're playing two of these dudes at the top, it seems seeing Kamara because we really appreciate that floor. 
Yeah. All right. Well, let's let, let's move down the list a little bit here. Um, you know, it, we've had some conversations about this and there's kind of this like middle tier that happens after those top four that we're kind of avoiding. But I wanted to quickly touch on Najee Harris is a guy that I've been looking at in some of my cash lineups, 6,300. Um, you know, it, it's not necessarily like the best matchup. It, it's not necessarily set up to be the highest scoring game. I mean, these two met last year and it wasn't necessarily the most fertile fantasy grounds. But at the same time, Najee Harris did see 90 percent of the snaps um, in the preseason with that uh, first team offense. Uh, they drafted him in the first round. They needed uh, offensive line. They needed some help in other positions. They still want Najee Harris. Everything points to Najee Harris being the guy. And then, of course, the history tells us that if there's any team that is going to make one guy the guy, it's going to be the Pittsburgh Steelers. They love to do it. And we know that Najee Harris is a great pass catcher. And then on top of that, uh, McFarland, who was going to be the backup, is on, I- on IR. And there's really nobody else behind him. Um, he's the most talented pass catcher. And he's probably the most talented running back on the team by far. So it just makes me think that Najee Harris is going to get all the work that they can give them there is some risk there obviously with him being a rookie and there are you know there's some really great other pass options on the team but you know at 6300 I think that there's an opportunity there for him to see eight or nine targets um and get you know 80 85 percent of that that you know work on the ground so uh, a bit risky again because he's a rookie but at 6300 if we don't go for these top options uh, he's definitely a guy that I'm looking at thoughts on Najee yeah I you know and I don't really um follow the college game as much as you So I, I, whenever there's these rookies that I haven't really seen much of, um, I feel like there's an advantage to, to people that follow, uh, follow them through college a little more. And so, you know, originally when he was drafted, I thought Najee was going to be more of this, um, not exactly like a, a Derek Henry, but I, I thought he was going to be more of, of that style of running back where, um, he wasn't going to be a big, big passing game uh, specialist or anything, but you know, through camp and um, in preseason, it does seem like he's the guy. And we've seen in the past um, with the Steelers specifically that they do like to focus on one running back um, and a three down guy. 6,300 is just such a great value because we are always searching for, for players who uh, especially at the running back position, who can have 20 opportunities in a game. So, I mean, if his floor is say 18 carries and two or three targets, then 6,300, like, I mean, I'm sure we'll talk about Mixon right next to him. I was was literally, if if we're talking about guys in this range who can see 20 plus touches right under him for 6,200 is Joe Mixon. It's great segue, man. Lead us into Joe Mixon. I mean, that, Basically, how you described Najee Harris is what I was thinking for Joe Mixon. Um, the the difference, I guess you could even lump in James Robinson into this group too, where um, I think at the end of the day, if you if you're not picking the three big name guys, uh, then your third running back is likely one of um, these in in the six K range. Um, I think. Joe Mixon, we've seen him get 30-plus touches in a lot of games. Um, He's, in my opinion, more likely to be um, like a six, five, six catches kind of player um, out of that group. Um, I know we've seen it with James Robinson, but uh, with all the injuries at running back there, like 
I'm not so sure. Like James Robinson had some had a, a few stretches last year where he was getting 20 carries, but for the most part, he would only get like 15, 16 carries in games. Mm-hmm. But Joe Mixon, we've seen him get 30 carry games. Um, so I think his his floor of touches is, in my opinion, higher than the others. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's a lot to do with. I'm not sure how how Najee is gonna. Yeah. Um, come out, but I mean, he he could easily come out and, and be there. But I, in my opinion, I think we know most about Mixon. Yep, that 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 it's a fair assessment. I'm out on James Robinson. I'm not even there. Like what we saw him great matchup. Year. Yeah, great matchup. Amazing matchup. I, I I do not, and, and like things would say that they're gonna um you know win. Like that's Houston Texans are easily the worst team in the NFL. So, but I mean, there's just something about the situation where I don't trust Urban Meyer, and we really saw him feed off volume last year like he got insane volume yeah. last year so i'm just not trusting it with urban meyer like i have a feeling he's going to play carlos Hyde for some reason like lavisca might even get a couple carries like i i don't know I, at the end of the day like i'm weary of james robinson especially with him being 100 more than Naz- naji and 200 more than mixon to me james robinson is an easy fade with naji and, jo- and mixon sitting right yeah. there behind him um scrolling down that list um there's another guy that's catching my attention that's gonna be raheem mostert at um 5800 playing the lions the lions last year bottom five pass defense bottom five run defense it it was just a bad situation like there's like they can eat like they have nowhere else to go but up i think they're gonna be better but like how much better are they really gonna be i mean i think like best case scenario is like the detroit lions are an average defense this year and i'm not buying it in week one um 49ers are a touchdown favorite. They should basically be able to do whatever they want against this Detroit team um, on Sunday, unfortunately for me. Uh, But at the same time, 5,800, I truly think that Mostert is going to be the guy in the pass game. I do have some concern about Sermon sneaking in there on some goal line touches. The fact that they kept Raheem Mostert in bubble wrap, you know, for the preseason makes me believe that like Mostert is that guy. They want to keep him in there. But at the same time, like I would project more around like, 15 to 18 touches on the game like the volume might not be there but the matchup is good we know he's got the speed we know he's got the breakaway speed more so and there's gonna be some pass work there so there's interest at least in my side of things in Raheem Mostert just considering the likely game script and the inept Lions defense thoughts on Mostert yeah I think I I kind of am lukewarm with Mostert um the main reason behind that is he's just never been a guy to touch the ball 20 times in games. And um, as you said, like he, he easily has the ability to break off a touchdown from anywhere on the field because of his speed. But um, even in the games where he had those breakaway, he didn't have a hundred yards in any game last year. Um, and generally he's a guy who only gets one or two receptions in, in most games. So I think the fact that they're, they're playing the lions and, um, the likelihood of them leading, I think is, is good for him as far as um, there's no Jeff Wilson there. So um, the likelihood of scoring touchdowns is probably higher um, currently than it was last year. So his touchdown upside is higher, but um, I think they're going to want to include Sermon in games. And this is the first game of the year. He's a rookie. He's got an easy matchup. Like it makes sense to me for them to run the ball, you know, six to eight times with Sermon and maybe 16 times with, with Mostert. Like this is a team that loves to run the ball. So I don't really see a, I mean, I do see a scenario where the backup running back 
touches the ball a decent amount of times. Um, but it does seem like they limit Mostert's carries. And, you know, he's not that young anymore. He's he's a 29-year-old running back in the league. Um, but at 5,800 in such a great matchup, um, he's definitely someone that I'm, I'm looking at. But for 400 more, you can get Joe Mixon, you know. So, yeah. um, I mean, it, it, it's the type of thing where I think I'll, I'll plug him in where he fits, but I'm not trying to force him into teams. It's fair enough. And we mentioned at the beginning of the show, like there's just so much value to be had at the wide receiver position this week. So paying up for these running backs, getting three running backs over uh, 6K is not necessarily the toughest thing to do. Is there another running back you want to touch on before we shift over to wide receiver and ask you for your favorite running back plays? Yeah, I think Antonio Gibson at 5,900, um, there's some concern about Oh, whether or not he's going to be active in the passing game, which, you know, we saw some games last year where he was other games where he wasn't and JD McKissick is still there. So um, his upside is a little limited, especially with this matchup. Like they're facing the chargers. They're, they're not necessarily um, facing. He's not a great matchup, I guess. It's not I'm a saying. great fantasy environment um, this week for those two teams. That's it's just not, but Antonio Gibson is also the type of player who. Um, if he were to get a couple touchdowns or a hundred yards in this game, then he's no longer a sneaky play. So he's 5,900 right now. Um, it could easily be the only time he's under six K all year. Um, especially if he comes out and he gets say 18 carries and four receptions and McKissick is only playing as like a wide receiver because Samuel's out. Um, so I think it's the type of thing where, this is a week that I, I want to kind of throw a few lineups at Gibson and just because I think he might come in a little under the radar, um, especially if people are going to be going towards guys like Najee and Mixon, you're saving a couple hundred bucks um, by going to Gibson. And, but um, he's also the type who could pick up some, some talk later in the week. All right. Um, give me the, your three favorite running backs as of today. We're recording for those uh, who uh, will check this recording out on the podcast on Saturday. We're recording Friday night, so it's a Friday night. Lou, uh, your three favorite running back plays on this slate. You can give me a fourth if, if you're really itching, but we'll go with three. Um. Well, well, I was going to ask if it, are you off of Mike Davis completely? Yeah, I think I. Am. I mean, he's a decent price, fifty four hundred. I think like my big thing is, is the Eagles are pass funnel. The pass defense is a mess. Like they're still pretty stout up front, um, and I expect the the um, Falcons to to throw it. That's going to be their best bet to uh, success in this game. So I just don't believe in Mike Davis that much. Like the volume could certainly be there, but at the same time, it's he's just not that great, man. Like I don't yeah. believe in Mike Davis as the player. Um, you know, he could easily eat. Uh, like he did at the Panthers for a bit last year, but he's a guy that I'm avoiding. There's just, I don't know. I'm finding a way to get these running backs a, a bit above him. Um, Mike Davis is not my guy this week along with James Robinson. Yeah. Um, and then I think the lowest guy that I'm interested in, uh, what do you think about this take chase Edmonds? Uh, a lot of people are going to be paying passing attacks in that game mm-hmm. and not running backs. Um, 4,600 for a, a running back who likely gets most of his work in the passing game. Um, he had you know, a lot of games last year where he was getting five, six uh, targets. And every game last year, he had at least two targets. So um, 
he's got a decent floor for 4,600. And yep. if that game is as high paced and um, high scoring as we expect, he's, he's the other guy I'm, I'm interested in. If like I'm going to go cheap. I, I like the call there. I mean, at the end of the day, like we're, we're targeting that Arizona Cardinals, Tennessee Titans game. And I expect a lot of people to not be putting Jace Edmonds in the lineup. I think at the end of the day, when I'm building my lineup, I don't need to save that money at running back to go down to Edmonds, but he isn't a guy that I considered, but it, it, it definitely in terms of kind of like a pivot play in that game. Um, I do like the call, but I, I'm not, I, I just, when I'm building my lineups, I don't find myself needing to save that cash that low with Chase Edmonds. Yeah. Top, um, right. But then it, I'm, I'm focusing it. on, McCaffrey, Kamara, and Mixon are my three. All right. McCaffrey, Kamara, and Mixon. I would definitely personally throw Najee in there, but um, it works for me. Let, let's shift over to the wide receivers. This is where things get really interesting this week, as there is a lot of min-priced wide receivers that we are interested in. But before we jump to those min-priced wide receivers, let's just kind of talk about the dogs at the top, the top guys that everyone's, you know, want to put in those lineups, the names that everybody knows, the popular names, and that's going to be Devonta Adams, Tyreek, Kelvin Ridley, and let's say uh, Hopkins, Jefferson, and Diggs. Going to get arbitrarily cut it off there. Those are going to be our, our top six wide receivers. Um, if, if you're going to play any of those guys or maybe two of those guys, who would they be? Um, I think I think when it comes down to it this week, I'm really going to only choose a couple. Um, if I'm going to play those those higher ends, you know, you match them with like an Edmonds. Um, I, I think Ridley is my favorite play. Um, especially since I have that interest in, in Matt Ryan and they generally have a pretty condensed, um, passing tree. And so, uh, Ridley every given week this year, I think has the, the chance of the hundred yard bonus, um, just based on what we were saying earlier about Matt Ryan throws the ball 35 plus times every game. Um, and, and that's his dude now. And that's his dude. That's it. Yeah. And, you know, we saw it last year when Julio was hurt. Ridley was basically guaranteed eight catches in a hundred yards. Um, and he's also been more of a, a, a touchdown threat than Julio ever was. Um, he kind of peaked last year in, in touchdowns. He had uh, four touchdowns in the first two games and then five the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. But, um, We've also seen him get multi-touchdown games a lot. Uh, so Falcons at home, Ridley's my favorite. Um, I also like Hopkins because we are it's attacking game. that game. It's the game. It's the game, yeah. Um, and then I think a lot of people are going to go to A.J. Brown in that game um, and for, for good reason. Like he's, he's a very talented wide receiver. But um, I think for 300 less dollars, I just would go Julio Jones. I think way less people are going to play him. Um, and I'm always looking to get a little different off of the chalky stacks when I do them. I think the most, one of the most common stacks in this entire week is going to be along the lines of Kyler, AJ Brown. Um, and then people are either going to go with Rondell Moore or they're going to go with Hopkins. Uh, if you go with Hopkins, then that's where people are going to have to be really different at running back. So that's why I think, um, if you pick Kyler with, um, AJ Brown, you're going to have to do some weird stuff in the rest of your lineup. It, it makes a lot of sense. I, I think Diggs is also going to be one of the higher owned um, wide receivers on the slate as well. I just he's, he, he's built for this scoring. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, he's, he's definitely, I mean, I'm, I'm not necessarily getting him in my lineup. I think 76 is actually fairly cheap this week for um, Diggs. I mean, I would not be shocked if 
we see him like around 79, 8K for the rest of the season. So there, there's something to be said there. But I think you and I, with how much we're paying up at running backs this week, um, we're more so going to be looking for those cheaper options at the wide receiver position. So let's actually let's pivot there. Let's kind of move to the bottom of this list, like these cheaper guys that we think are, are going to provide us some pretty good value. Um, you know, I think the first thing that I just want to talk about, I mean, I think he's going to be he is the chalk and I, that's Marquez Callaway. Um, I think he's going to be the highest owned wide receiver on the slate, if not top three highest owned wide receiver on the slate. I mean, at 3,400, he is the, you know, quote unquote, uh, wide receiver one there. We all saw it in the preseason. He clearly has some kind of connection with Winston. Um, everyone seems to be about Marquez Callaway. And at 3,400, he's, you know, I wouldn't say he's tough to fade, but he's going to be a popular play for sure. Like your thoughts on Callaway and getting him into your lineup. Yeah, I think um, the way I describe Callaway this week, is if you don't have him, he's going to have 100 yards and two touchdowns. If you have him, he's going to get zero. Lockdown. Just lockdown. I mean, yeah, yeah. it, it feels like one of those plays where everyone's going to play him and he's probably going to be a letdown. But if you don't play him, then you'll be like, oh, everyone played him. He was so obvious. Um, so to me, it's the type of thing that if you were to play like 150 lineups, I think the decision is you either go 100% or 0%. Um, you you just take that stand because, I, I mean, like you mentioned, there's so many other options in that range that we can go with this week, um, which I would lean to the 0% in that case. But uh, when it comes to cash, if it, he's just – the likelihood of him being over 40% honed in cash is pretty high. And so if, if everyone's just going to – he's the first guy in their lineup, um, then I think it's the type of thing where, I mean, I'm going to probably play him. Um, but he's definitely the first guy out of my lineup when I go to uh, build tournament teams. Yep. And, and I think the one thing that we need to talk about, Marcos Callaway, is I guess he flashed, sorry, in the preseason, but like he, like he's an undrafted free agent. Like I don't think like the talent is necessarily there. And like, Looking at the Packers secondary, man, like, are we completely forgot about, like, we're, like, last season we were concerned about the Jair Alexander shadow. Like, that was, like, a thing that we talked about. And then, like, they – Would he shadow Marquez? I mean, maybe. I don't know. But they so, like, drafted uh, Stokes in the first round. I mean, they got Savage and Amos. Like, there's, like, the Packers secondary is – I mean, I don't know if I'll call it elite just yet, but it is borderline elite. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if Callaway was more of a dud. I mean, I, I look at the Packers secondary. I look at the talent level of Callaway. I don't just don't necessarily trust anything outside of Kamara in this Saints offense. That, that's really what it comes down to to me. So I know the price is only 3400 There's just other ways that I would lean. Um, you know, I'm going to take the stance, and I think you're with me where I'm going to look elsewhere as far as cheap wide receivers go. But Callaway is the chalk, and that is a, a piece of the chalk that I'm happily fading. Yeah, and I think that's not – I mean – it's the type of thing where I, I, if you play him, I get it. If you don't play him, I get it. Yep. Cool. So there, there's like a, a next level of, of wide receivers to to talk about here and just, you know, to, to uh, throw them all out there. We'll kind of just, you know, organically go through it here. But one's going to – it's going to be our rookie – the more rookies. It's going to be Elijah Moore. We just heard that Jameson Crowder is going to be out with COVID. Uh, hopefully everything's okay with him. But that leaves the door wide open for Elijah Moore. Uh, he was tearing up in the preseason there for a bit. It, there's no reason why, like, he could be the second target behind Corey Davis in this game. Uh, Rondell Moore, uh, 
very similar situation where there's no reason why he couldn't be the second target on the Cardinals. And again, we talked about targeting that game with the Titans and the Cardinals. And, um, you know, it, it, I, I think that he could easily be the second wide receiver coming out of the slot with just him and, and Hopkins in two wide receiver sets. But like, I, I just don't believe in Kirk. I don't believe in the corpse of AJ, AJ Green at this point. So I am in on, on Rondell Moore in general. So I think he is a play that I'm seriously considering at, at the three K in, and Elijah Moore is also at the three K in. And then two other dudes that I think are interesting around that price are going to be Marvin Jones at 3,600 just because everyone sleeps on him every year. That's what they do. And then uh, recently, Dami Brown um, with the Washington football team. There is a situation there where Curtis Samuel is out. Um, that you know, that second wide receiver, wide receiver position behind McLaurin is wide open. Like I think there's a little more competition for targets there. We'll get to that. But you know, I'm talking about these uh, pretty much not all men, but you know, under 4K wide receivers. Um, you know, who sticks out to you? What are you most interested in? I think um, what you said about Rondale is is something that. I've been um, thinking about a lot today um, where I like Kyler. I like that game, but Hopkins is 7,800. I kind of prefer Ridley, but I still want exposure to that game. So Rondale allows me exposure to that game and allows me to fit a lot of other pieces that I want. So Rondale, in my opinion, is one of the first guys into my lineup, uh, mostly because he's a min price player in my favorite game. Um, I think, you know, technically that, that chiefs and Browns game, which we haven't talked about a ton. Um, technically that game is, has a higher total right now. That's 54 and a half, um, where I'm seeing 53 and a half for, for the Titans. Um, but, uh, would you believe me if I told you one of my highest owned best ball wide receivers on the season is Marvin Jones? That, I believe you. Um, I believe Trevor you. Lawrence, Marvin Jones is one of my my most common stacks. In you know baseball. I love to hear. It. You know I love um, to hear it, Lou. You know, I and the other guy is taking a lot towards the end of uh, the year because um, I have a lot of Fitzpatrick teams as well. I was taking a lot of Curtis Samuel with with Fitzpatrick teams, but then um, so I, I've been talked into with with Diami Brown, and he was free in a lot of drafts uh, like a month Absolutely. ago. Uh, yeah. More recently, he was getting picked up. It's still but um, yeah. he he's a guy that I had been taking a lot late in drafts, and so you know the, these are guys who I'm already pretty heavily invested in on the year. But um, you know, I think Rondell Moore um, I have the most interest in because of the the game script. Marvin Jones is is a guy who, in my opinion, I, I'd I'd like to see, I'd like to see it in action a little bit first, but again, he's got arguably the best matchup of the year. It's uh, facing the Texans, um, and you know I I'm even looking at taking the Jaguars and Survivor pools this week because you know when else are you going to be able to take the Jaguars That's fair, um yeah. and I'd like to see what Trevor Lawrence does like you, you never know like he, rookie QBs tend to to favor a lot of times I, I like to say they tend to favor tight ends but um I mean is Marvin Jones a guy who's a red zone target already? Yes. Like, yes, is, is that absolutely. not someone yeah. that that's a, that's red a, zone? That's, like, that's rock, rookies butter, would love that. And, so, 
I, and I think like you, you can't overlook the fact that like Daryl Bevel is now the offensive coordinator for the Jaguars. And he was also Marvin Jones's offensive coordinator at the lions. Like this is a new system for pretty much everyone in the Jaguars, except for Marvin Jones. He, he knows what's going on. He knows what's happening. Yeah. Uh, he's a savvy vet. I, he still has it. Like, I, I don't think he's like ever had what it takes to be a wide receiver one, but they're going to have a Visca and they're going to have shark running around to take some of that pressure, take some of that, you know, the looks away, not the looks away, but take some of the pressure away from Marvin Jones. I mean, at 3,600, I'm getting Marvin Jones in my lineup. Like I made the bull call earlier this week that like Marvin Jones is catching a touchdown this week. Like that's absolutely happening. So I, I've made the call. Like I, I'm in on Marvin Jones at 3,600 in, in probably one of the softest matchups they're going to see this year. And he, he's, he's going to find he's that great zone, man. off of Callaway chalk too. Um, I think, I think with the uh, Curtis Samuel news today, I think it'll be more likely that we see that affect Marvin Jones ownership um, than Callaway ownership. So I, I think it's it's more likely that we'll see Callaway, um, Rondale Moore, and then Diami. Um, do you think Elijah Moore is a better play than than any of those guys? I think he's similar where he might be one, one of those guys who just because of the other options he. He gets the short end of the stick. Yeah. So the thing with the Jets is it's probably one of the well, it's the Jets. And like and I expect <laughs> them to be better. They're a completely new team, right? But at the same time, like it's like probably one of these dudes is gonna be great for you, but there's gonna be some duds. And I don't I'm not putting my eggs in the basket of the Jets in week one until I see it. Like I have faith, like things are gonna be better, obviously. Um, but at the same time, like Outside of like Corey Davis, I think he's the only Jet that I'm necessarily trusting. I, you know, if you put Elijah Moore into your lineups at 3K, like I wouldn't necessarily hate it. I, I love Elijah Moore as a player, but you know, I, I look at you know Marvin Jones and Rondell Moore, and those are two dudes that I feel a lot more comfortable in my lineups than Elijah Moore. But at the same time, I, I wouldn't talk you out if you were necessarily like really feeling getting Elijah Moore in there. If you're an Elijah Moore truth or you wanted to play him, you think he's the guy, go ahead. But when we're looking at this like price range, Lou, um, it's it's Marvin Jones and Rondell Moore for me. Yeah, I think um, in my opinion, I'm probably going to have. More Callaway and I don't know. I might end up going up in wide receiver in cash. So I, th- I think it's going to depend on what I do with the third running back because um, it, if you build it out, I kind of like the build with um, Dalvin Cook a little better than Mixon. Mm-hmm. And if you go and, and it's a three K difference, so it's like you know, the the two v two is pretty much something like Mixon and Landry versus Cook and Elijah Moore. Yeah. So fair. I mean, it, when when you look at them from a two ver, two v two standpoint, it kind of makes the three k wide receivers a little more enticing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, I'm not like super high on Landry, but it, what what I was saying before about that game is technically the highest scoring on the slate. Um, it's hard for me to just completely avoid it. You know, um, I mean, we're we're gonna come to to tight end, but. Um, Kelsey and, and Hill are just so expensive and even Mahomes. Um, I mean, you could do something like naked Mahomes. He, that might be the, in a weird way, that might be the easiest way to get exposure to the chiefs is by going Mahomes. I don't know. All right. And then just real quick, we've talked about the cheap ones. We've talked about some of the more expensive wide receivers just in an effort of keeping things concise here uh, in that middle range. Is there a wide receiver that's catching your eye as well? 
Not really. It's it, it's kind of a dead zone in in my opinion between five and seven k. Um, I think uh, the Julio Jones, Tyler Lockett guys are, are pretty solid. McLaurin is is always a reasonable play in my opinion. Um, we don't know what Fitzpatrick's going to do with him yet, but um, I kind of like Chark and in Brandon Ayuk uh, at the the upper five k range, and then. I don't know. It's kind of it's kind of tough in the five Ks. Besides that, um, like I said, like I, I might play Landry um, because I, to get some exposure to that game, but I don't love playing it. That's fair. That's absolutely fair, man. So uh, let, let's let's move things along. Give me give me your four wide receivers as a Friday night that you are most interested in your cash lineups. Um, I'd say Ridley. Rondell Moore, and then Callaway, and I think Elijah Moore. Him him and Diane Brown, that's going to be me this week. Whichever of those two that I choose to play is going to make or break my week, I think. All right, let's shift over to tight end where it, it gets a, a little bit I, I mean it gets more simple but also in a weird way a little bit more confusing because there's not a lot of really good plays at tight they're end. so it, spread out the, yeah, the, the prices so it's like we're pretty much either paying up for kelsey or kittle uh we're taking the absolute chalk on pits i mean it pits at 4400 i think he's going to be one of the highest uh owned players on this entire slate yeah. or you just completely punt the position um let's just like group Pits because I think like we've talked about this like it's it's Kelsey Kittle or Pitts and then or you're completely punting. Let's talk about those guys: Pitts, Kelsey, Kittle. Your thoughts? Who you like to play there? Pitts is one of those guys who he's the first guy in your lineup because he's the first guy in everybody's lineup. Um, at least with Callaway, you have other options around them. But with Pitts, I mean, we were talking about this before. Like it, it's hard to make a case for other people around him to be a better play than him. Um, like Goddard, you know, it could always be an Ertz game. Um, Hawkinson is, a, he could easily be a great play. I think over the whole year, Hawkinson was one of my favorite tight ends. Um, but you know, it's against the 49ers, one of the worst matchup. matchups he's going to yeah, have. It's not a good matchup. Exactly. Um, uh, Logan Thomas is, is kind of interesting at 4,600. Um, I think, if I were to play someone besides Pitts, it would be him. But I mean, Pitts has just been touted so heavily this off season um, as like he he be a, a, a top three yeah. percent wide receiver. Some people have him as their dynasty receiver. tight end like, one. Like people have him as the dynasty tight end one already, which I'm not yeah, there, but, but I understand it. But at the same time, like that's the kind of player we're talking about here. And I I, I don't necessarily disagree with that that take um, either because. I mean, Kelsey is a little older. Like he had a great year last year, Kelsey. But I mean, every year that he dominates is another year that he's older. So at at some point in time, the Kelsey pullback is going to happen. And at eighty three hundred, like you, you're risking for four k. Like there's so much you could do with four thousand in your in your lineup. Kittle, I have little interest in this week. Um, he's kind of in his own tier at sixty three hundred, but. Um, what we were talking about earlier is the Lions not expected to be good. This is an eight and a half point uh, spread in the game. We expect the 49ers to slow things down anyway and run the ball. Um, 
Kittle is notoriously a, a good blocker and used for blocking often. So I don't think this is the type of game that we're going to see Kittle getting 10 targets. So I'm not really interested in going there. So, I mean, Kittle, no. Kelsey, I think, allows you to have a different build, which is nice. Um, basically, you're you're playing Kelsey instead of, like, Dalvin Cook. Um which is going to make it make you different. And that was a, a strategy last season a lot where, okay, you play Kelsey instead of one of the high-end wide receivers, and then you play a, a cheaper wide receiver or something. So um, I get the Kelsey play. I'm never going to talk people off of Kelsey because he's multi-touchdown, 100-yard bonus. Like any week he can do that. So um, that's kind of where I stand with those three. Um, is there anyone else in that 4K range that you think you no. would play over Pitts? No, I mean, like, it's it's like that. If they're like, I think if I'm fading the Callaway chalk, I'm okay to eat the Pitts chalk because essentially, like, the, the kind of like difference I'm, I'm going to go there. If I'm going to take a stand of guys, I think are going to be the absolute highest owned. Um, so Pitts is a guy that I, I think I'm going with here just because I'm not paying up for Kelsey or Kittle at this point. Like you said, like, Kelsey could easily go nuts, but the price is just so high that it's a bit scary. And then I don't know if they're going to necessarily need Kittle in a game against the Detroit Lions. So Pitts at 4,400 is absolutely the guy. You know, if we're not going for Pitts, um, give me give me your favorite tight end punt. Uh, my favorite tight end punt is all the way down, and it's Tyler Croft. Um, <laughs> Dude, I, this where I mean, it's, it's, it's 2,500. I mean, listen to the stick. You're saving 2,000. Off of pits, and what can you do with, with two thousand? Like, imagine you get so you can do um, basically the lineup I was describing earlier with Mixon. Um, if you do the Mixon lineup and you do Tyler Croft instead of um, Pitts, then all of a sudden you can get Ridley. Like, you can do Hertz, CMC, Mixon, Ridley, Callaway, Rondale, Croft, Kamara. That's nice. That's nice. You just need Croft to fall in the end zone. You just need one single touchdown, and he I, he pays off, and you're good you, to go. That's it. You either he's the starter, man. He's going to be out. Pitts there. gets less than ten points. Any other tight end you play is a great play. I mean that that's also what it comes down to. Like the way Pitts hurts you is he gets at least fifteen fantasy points, which is definitely like in the wheelhouse. But um, I don't think it's that crazy to not play pits and play a lineup like what I just said. Like, I really like that lineup that I just described. Um, and that's allowed by not playing pits. And like you said, like Croft can have four points and it's a min price tight end. So it, if, if it allows you to do it. If, if Croft scores a touchdown, it's like, you're almost cashing at that point. Like it sounds silly, but you've saved but, that much salary. Right. And, and I think the other side of it is, if I'm playing Croft, it's to get Ridley. So that's already leveraging against Pitts by by saying Ridley. So when it comes down to it, if if Ridley is the guy that gets, you know, 100 yards and two touchdowns like he did week one last year, then all of a sudden, like, I'm someone that has Ridley instead of Pitts, and I'm 20 points ahead on that matchup. So it almost doesn't matter what Croft did. So um, that's where I think he really makes things interesting because he's a starting tight end on a team that's bad with a rookie quarterback, which as I mentioned earlier, I like rookie quarterbacks throwing to their tight ends. Mm -hmm. And so 
It's the type of thing that, like, as I look more and more, I have like way too much interest in Tyler Croft this week. It sounds like you do. Let, let, let's let, let's shift over to the defense. Close this thing out, Lou. Um, you know, I got one play that I like. If you can you can jam it in there, it's going to be the Broncos against the Giants. We know that uh, Daniel Jones is a turnover machine, whether it be the fumbles, the interceptions. I don't trust the Giants this year. The Broncos, fun fact, were the only team to not allow a touchdown in the preseason. I think they're an elite defense. I think they're going to be top three. I think it's just a defensive-minded coach that is going to be out there trying to have a great defense over trying to score points regardless. Um, At at 3,300, it's not that bad of a price if you can absolutely fit it. So I guess it's in a sense it might be paying up for the defense. Um, your thoughts on the Broncos and who you're trying to like, I don't know, pay down for. I mean, a lot of times with defense, when we're talking about cat, you like basically just throw in who fits. That's basically what happens. It's just too hard to predict, but quickly your week one thoughts on defense special teams. Yeah. I, I, I like that Broncos take, um, you know, playing another take with that is like Packers because, if Winston's stirring the ball, the likelihood of interceptions is higher. So playing defenses into turnover prone uh, quarterbacks is always a great play. Um, another that I kind of like similar uh, vein is the Dolphins. Dolphins had you know, over 40 sacks last year, um, 18 interceptions, and they're facing a rookie quarterback. They are on the road, but I think they're the type of defense that, that can apply a lot of pressure to Mac Jones, and he's not as mobile of a quarterback as um, some of these other guys that are on the slate. Um, and so I kind of like the Dolphins. And then besides that, I'm going low. Um, I think the Bills at 2,500, they kind of fit into lineups that I was building. Um, but then a lot of those other defenses, it's it's kind of tough. So what do you think about um, someone like the Falcons, where they're yep. facing um, a Jalen Hurts, who yep, I like he's sack-prone? If it's a punt and I, got, and I can't fit anything else, that would be the pick, is going to be the Falcons. Like, defense isn't good, but at the same time, like, it's it's I don't have a lot of faith. Like I think like as a fantasy option, it's great, but I don't trust him as an accurate passer just yet. So don't love it, but at the same time, like, it's 2K, man. So if that's what you got to fit in there to jam the guys that you want in your lineup, the Falcons will do. Yeah. And yeah. then, um, and like parting thoughts, man, it, we, we've gone over all the positions. It's been great to get back here in the studio, talking DFS with you. We got a lot more episodes coming as we go. We're going to be covering this every single week. So the, the, the few of those viewers that are here currently right now, we appreciate you. We see you. Uh, we'll be doing this every single week. Um, so make sure you come back. You can, uh, definitely find us on Twitter. We're happy to talk any fantasy or DFS with you. Um, you can find Lou dog at, at Lou dog sports. You can find me at FF Tyler. O. final thoughts, Lou. Yeah, I think, um, it, as I mentioned on our pod last week is this is week one. So it, we've had the most information available to prepare for this week than any other week all season. Um, and the prices have been out for a while. That's where all of this value comes from. So you'll probably see a lot of high scores. Um, don't worry about that. That's not going to be the same every week, but um, we don't get five sub 4k. Uh, I want to say like locks, but like five plus target type um, wide receivers every week. So, that's where a lot of these high scores are going to come from because you can jam in the high high priced guys who 
those those top end running backs are, are more likely to get 20 points than the lower end running backs. So I think the likelihood of high scores in the 200s or higher are going to be um, higher this week. So don't be like, oh, I scored 220 points and didn't even cash this week because th- this is the week that that's going to happen. Um, mm-hmm. And so it, it, it's going to uh, as hard as it is to say, like it's going to come down to, you can't fit all those cheap guys in, into one lineup. Mm -hmm. So um, there's going to be a lot of cases where you're going to have to choose between certain guys that are the same price. And one of them's just going to score higher than the other. So you kind of have to deal with it, but um, yeah, don't fret. Like this is the first week and, a lot of people don't really know yet. Like we, we haven't seen any of these teams play as they stand right now. So um, we still don't know everything. Like we're just guessing at the end of the day on what type of um, offenses they're going to run, how many wide receiver sets they're going to do. So um, it'll be fun and, and just make sure to like watch and take notes of what happens because next week you'll be able to have that edge of, Oh, I watched and Rondell Moore was only on, 20% of snaps. Like I, I was expecting him to be in 60% of infor- snaps. We got some information. Yeah. Exactly. Man. Right. So, all right, cool. Lou, it's been great getting back in the studio with you. Um, that's it, man. Uh, follow Lou on Twitter at Lou dog sports, me at FF Tyler. O. this is the daily destroyer part of the, uh, DWZ network. That's all we have today, folks. Don't forget. Tell somebody you love them later. When we add up all those inches, that's going to make the fucking difference between winning and losing. We won a game yesterday. And if we win one today, that's two in a row. We win one tomorrow, that's called a winning streak.